This is 90 Day CEO, the podcast. Created for women out there building their businesses on a mission to get their services and their gifts out into this world. We are Mooch and Melissa, co-founders of 90 Day CEO. We created this podcast to do exactly that. And we are on our own mission to help those of you who want to get gritty and get real and to ditch the BS. To not worry about having that swipe up on Instagram, to not focus on perfectly curated photos, but rather to understand the dynamics of building a business and then focus your passion on your service. You want to show up and serve? Let's get down to build a business. Welcome back, 90 Day. I am so thrilled to introduce you to a friend of mine who I know sometimes I bash social media, but I am so excited that social media connected me with this incredible human. Um, We have Brock Cannon joining us today. Brock is a former professional cyclist who specializes in working with athletes. He's a serial entrepreneur and he is now a coach for men, all things mindset. He's also certified in Wim Hof breathing, um, which is really, really incredible. Maybe if we're if we're lucky, he'll do a little practice on us today. But really, really excited to have Brock on the podcast today, diving into his journey through entrepreneurship and just life. He has such an incredible story that I've been so uh, honored to hear and can't wait to share with you guys today. So let's dive in. Brock, welcome. Thank you so much. Dialing all the way in from California. I'm super stoked that you're here. Welcome. Welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. And it's good to hear an East Coaster say the word stoked. That sounds like (laughs) very California. (laughs) Uh, Yep. Yep. You'll get some, you'll get some. Are you going to say wicked at any time during the podcast? I might. I might. It depends on how I get. Definitely right. how I have to get. So, um, no, I'm so glad you're here and I uh, can't wait to share, you know, your magic and your, just your wisdom with our audience today. So would love for you to just start with kind of a, an overview. I know, um, in our conversations, we can extend this overview so far out because you've done some incredible things with your life, but, um, would love to just give everyone kind of an overview of who you are, what you do, um, and where you're at currently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm Brock. I live in Santa Barbara, California currently. Uh, I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, yes, I grew up as a Mormon, uh, oldest son in a, in a family uh, where there's a lot of pressure on me to do the right thing, to be the perfect example. And um, I ended up having some kind of depression issues even as a teenager and um, ended up on a therapist couch at age 16. And he was a wise therapist. And the only thing I really remember is he's like, hey, you're really depressed. What are you passionate about? And I was like, well, I just got into mountain biking and I'm really liking it. And I kind of lit up and he was like, do more of that and see where it takes you. So I did. I was like, overly attached to my girlfriend at the time. Um, I broke up with her and like got in a relationship with my bike. And I started riding and training and long story short, ended up um, just a couple of years later going pro and traveling the country and um, doing World Cups and everything in between and, and just using that as a way to build confidence as a young kid. And I ended up racing at a high level for 17 years. I'm old. I just turned 40. And, um, you know, I learned a lot as a 
is a professional athlete discipline realizing you can push your body much further than you think or capable of much more than we think you know it was it was fantastic i got to ride alongside a lot of the same guys that would go over to europe and become teammates with lance armstrong and a lot of those guys I never got into the, the doping scene. If, if <laughs> there wasn't any money in mountain bike racing, the money was all in road cycling. So I didn't get wrapped up in that, but I did have friends that did, unfortunately, and um, had all sorts of terrible things happen to them. But, you know, it was interesting when I finished kind of riding, I mean, a professional mountain bike racer, unless you're in the top 1%, it's not going to really make any money. So at 21, I had to find a way to start earning money. I did a Mormon mission at 19. I got back at age 21, got married. I had a setup marriage, I guess you could say some wow. family members set us up and looking back, like probably wouldn't choose that again. It lasted 10 years, but the bottom line is I started a family super young. I had a kid by the time I was 23 and um, I had to learn to hustle and to make money. So <laughs> got into all kinds of businesses, sales. I've always been self-employed and, um, you know, kind of went from there. So, yeah, I, I love this. And I think it's, it almost like probably puts you in this time warp of like, holy shit, I did all of that before I was 23. Like what? I don't even know what I was doing at 23. I don't, I don't want to know, but, um, I guess my, uh, something that I want to point out that I think a lot of entrepreneurs have, whether it's like this pressure, family pressure, friend pressure, personal pressure is like this idea of like what you should be doing. And it sounds like while you were growing up, there was this, a lot of pressure on you to be a certain thing, act a certain way, and then kind of your uh, catapult into, I guess, entrepreneurship was really like, yo, like, I got to make this work. I got a kid. I'm 23. Get out of my way. Sharpen my elbows. Like, I got to make this work. So I'm curious how your um, relationship with your family and just yourself going through that, that kind of like, uh, pressure growing up and then coming out and saying like, I'm not going to do this like normal trajectory of corporate America or anything like that. Like, what did that look like for you? And how are you able to kind of break through that? Yeah, well, that's a really good point. And there are so many people that feel the, the very real pressure from their family of yeah. having to do something a certain way. A lot of the men that I coach, feel that pressure even into their middle age and beyond like you know i'm in this field that i'm in because my mom and dad thought it would be a good thing or i went to this college and they thought that this would be a good path i messed up the entire trajectory that my parents wanted for me like 100 <laughs> like all my younger siblings all took the safe secure route graduated college i dropped out of college i was sitting in the the college classrooms and you know, paying all this money for it, I paid my own tuition. And I was like, I'm making more than a lot of my professors. So like, why? And I know I'm not gonna, you know, go the safe route of trying to, you know, get a corporate job. So like, what am I doing? So I ended yeah. up just dropping out, I got into real estate investing, and and then on from there. But like, yeah, there's, there's such a real pressure. And, and so I think the gift that I would give my younger self is just looking back and saying, Brock, it's okay to like be your own person. It's okay to be the black sheep. And it took a lot of years of, you know, going deep inside of myself to realize that it's, it's okay. And now I'm like confident in that, but 
not everyone is confident and there's a lot of self-doubt and there's a lot of pressure that people need to be on a certain path that their parents, you know, kind of dictated for them. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing is like, we're not for anyone listening. We're not like getting on and like bashing everyone's parents. Like it's just, we love our parents deeply, but it's like the, the capacity at which that they have to offer is like, that's how they show love, right? It's like, I want what's best for you. And that's how I'm going to show you love is like, tell you what you need to do in order to be successful. Now, here's what I would love to kind of dive deeper into is like, society has created like what is called a quote unquote black sheep of like, oh, this isn't normal. You're not normal. You're abnormal that you want to like go and start your own thing. Or you want to like, you're feeling called to something else. Like, that's what I think the purpose of even our podcast is, is like, I want all these black sheep here. So like, we're not the, we're not the outcast anymore. Like we're just here because we're feeling called and our environment isn't, isn't what is really supporting that calling. Right. We're not even supporting, but it's not what's like normalized in our, in our direct environment. And so that's what I loved about even our first conversation, Brock was like how you navigated that so graciously, even on yourself of like a kid who, you know, probably thought the therapist had the most comfortable couch in the place, right. To being able to navigate it and, and turn that um, situation into something that is now supporting those going through it. Right. And like almost flipping the script for yourself. So I guess like moving through that, you know, I, I, I definitely want to hear about how you kind of took that next step to start even your next business, right? So you, you had gotten into real estate investing and then um, from there, what did you do from there? So I got into real estate investing and ended up having an opportunity to, to teach it um, as, a, as a freelancer. So I did over six years hundreds of workshops and seminars. So taught it, built coaching programs around it, had to learn sales, had to learn how to present yourself, how to package things correctly, make sure you can teach things in a way where people actually do something with it. Um, And I learned a lot about human behavior in six years of doing seminars. I was traveling 240 days a year, which was insane. Um, it's not as glamorous as people would like to make it. I know. The, the airplane peanuts aren't that great, everyone. They are not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like drastically happier today, like working out of my home office. Like it's way better. But, you know, it was it was interesting and I learned a lot for that period of time. And then I made the decision to get off of the road probably four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was this double-edged sword because I was making really great money. But... I was just so burned out. I was like done. And I was like, if I have to fly to another random city that I wake up in a hotel room and I don't even remember where I am, like I'm going to scream. So I made the decision to stop and had recently moved to Santa Barbara. I didn't have any connections here. I didn't have any family here. I didn't really know anyone. And I was like stuck and I was running out of money. And I was like, what am I going to do? So I started applying for jobs, something I'd really never done in my entire life. And it You're was like, crazy. What is a resume? Help. Yeah. I was like, what's this resume thing? Like, let me try to put one of these together. Oh and I was God. like, what do I even apply for? It was like, all right, well, I guess I can sell. So like, let me, let me try like a sales job. So I was applying with all these companies that like, really I had no interest in at all, but I was trying to get a job. It was so desperate. And I remember going, 
to this one company. I think they do like, it was like construction software or some bullshit that I could care less about. And I was applying for a junior sales position at like 40,000 a year. And I was like, what am I doing here? Mm. But I was confident. I'm like, surely I'm going to get the job. And then surely I'll get promoted and, you know, be able to make a little more. And I'll never forget. They called me and they're like, sorry, we went with someone else. And I was like, for a junior sales position? Like, are you kidding me? For 40,000 a year? And I was like, forget this. Yeah. And it was out of that desperation and like just pissed offness that I was like, I'm going to just start my own thing. Yeah. So I asked myself two questions and I would encourage anyone that's considering starting a business to ask these two questions. Number one, what do I love so much that I would do it for free? And number two, where is a need around that love? Yeah. So at the time I had gotten into ultra running, I was running all these miles, was beating the shit out of my body on a weekly basis. I was running up peaks and I wasn't recovering very well. And I was taking ibuprofen, which I didn't know any better at the time. And I was like, got up to taking 12 ibuprofen a day. And I was like, I'm going to destroy my stomach. Whoa. That was for you at the time. That's what my mom always did. She's just like, oh, your knees are sore. Take some ibuprofen. So I started researching all these other things like, okay, what actually helps reduce inflammation? Looked at all these botanicals. I looked at cannabis really heavily and, and that actually worked. And I would, I was one of those crazy mountain runners that would microdose with cannabis while running. Uh, you got to do it very safely. And then I was like, well, starting a company around cannabis, there's like an enormous amount of, uh, you know, legal loopholes and everything yeah. in between and licensing. So I was like, mm, I'm not going to go that route. So I ended up working with some formulators and developed my own CBD product and tested and tested and tried like everything on the market. And I was like, most of this stuff's bullshit. Like it doesn't even work. Like I'm not really even feeling it. So I like tripled the, the amount in terms of potency. It worked, worked like really well, like within minutes. And I was like, hmm, I think we've got something. So called it prevail because I was like on this personal journey of trying to prevail in my own life Yeah, and um, like started the company and going on three years now. So I was like, I get to run, I get to talk about running. I get to, you know, associate with cool people. I have now over 300 ambassadors around the world. They're just like a tribe, like a family. And I've never spent $1 on Facebook or Instagram ads because I wasn't allowed to. Um, CBD was banned, still is, had to do everything grassroots, but I would say build a community over building a company, like start by building a community and uh, you'll, yeah. you'll do something. Yeah. That is so like, put it on a freaking t-shirt. Like that is us to a T of like, you don't need to worry. And here's the thing that I love that you said was that you're finding something that you're, you love that you would do for free right? Just something that you would truly just do because of how much you love it. Right. And that's where service-based, I feel like coaches, teachers, businesses, companies, whatever, like that's where they really succeed. And that's why you've probably had so much success is because that organic, just passion towards what you were doing and that brand that you had created, it just made sense. It was a good marriage. And well, I guess your advice to like everyone that's listening is like, and you can probably speak to the product and you can also probably speak to the, the online coaching space too, right? Because you'd started this product and now you're coaching men 
through um, some really big transformation. So would you say those two questions are pretty similar if you're if you were to go start a product versus start like a service-based type program? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, there's people that have the philosophy of like, oh, I'm just gonna it's the old Tim Ferriss philosophy out of a four-hour work week. Like, I'm just yep. gonna find a product to sell, even if I'm not passionate about it, but it's gonna give me cash flow to then go do what I want to do. And that's fine. Like people do that every day, but you'll still go through kind of a, a like a dark drudgery, gritty yeah. period, I think. Yeah. You're not passionate about it. So absolutely you could do that for service-based or product-based businesses, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Love that. Um, for you, I'd love to kind of segue into, I feel like that's a good point to kind of transition is like, how did your online coaching kind of grow from Prevail? Did it have anything to do with Prevail? Was it something that kind of just was sparked within you or how, how did that all evolve? So my coaching really stemmed from just like a mess in my own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of years ago. It hasn't been that long, honestly. Um, the company was going, but here's the thing, like, and if you're an athlete and I, I work with a lot of men that have, have had the same problems, whether they play hockey or they grow up playing football or whatever, they tie their identity to a sport. Yeah. And when that stops, or if you're not going pro or going on the college team or whatever it is, like your identity is stripped. Yeah. So I had my whole ego, I think, tied to that athlete. And I also realized that for many, many years, I used that, look, sports can be healthy, but they can also kind of become an escape for your own pain, like emotional stuff that you don't process. So that's what I would do. Like for years, I, if I was uncomfortable or like in a fight with my wife at the time, like I would just go ride my bike for six hours, you know, like problem solved, come back completely numb and forget about it. So I I had a lot of bad patterns and habits personally that started. And as they say, like you don't really learn until you learn and sometimes hit rock bottom. And so I kind of hit a rock bottom was in such a, horrible mental place a couple of years ago, like wanted to end my life, like was thinking about how to do it and everything in between. And, you know, through a few very, very amazing people, they pulled me through it and started this healing journey. I was like, look, you can't run from this anymore. I was 38 at the time. I was like, all right, Brock, do the work, like, like do the work, like face your demons, like look at yourself. I had a lot of shit. And so it was from that and having to work through my own stuff that I was like, all right, now I finally have some things that are helping me. So how many other men could I help through this stuff? And it, like the coaching was just birthed organically and the company still kind of just runs itself. I put very little time in, which is awesome because now like I'm, I'm focused on helping other men through their stuff. Wow. 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 I love that. And thank you for sharing that so openly. And that one hits that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Um, I think the biggest thing that I love that you had kind of mentioned is like this ego, right? Whether you're an athlete and you're kind of like attaching your ego to a specific thing, or, you know, I'd love for you to speak that honestly, kind of like how it relates to business, right? Like, I feel like so many entrepreneurs are so tied to like the ego. And and here's the thing, guys, if you're listening and you're like, she's calling me ego, just go like, no, it's, it's, everyone has an ego. We're a human being. We're an emotional being. We have an ego, right? 
It's how we learn to live with it and treat it and nourish it and all of these things. But I'd love your insight as to like ego and business, like how we tie so specifically to Instagram followers or how we get so tied to like how much money we're making. Like where does that ego kind of pop up in business? And if that's something that you've experienced, I'd love to hear kind of your your take on it. Yeah, absolutely. We are in a... I'm just going to say it. We're in a narcissistic culture. I had so many narcissistic qualities. Like it's insane. And it's this look at me, look at me, look at me culture that we're in. Furthermore, people then think that that's real. They think that that's the real them and they start to attach their identity to that. And it's a disaster waiting to happen because just like the sports, like if it gets stripped away, like, who are you? Yeah. You know, and that's the, one of the biggest things that like I work with so many guys. They're like, yeah, I'm like such a badass. Like I just started my fourth company, but now my wife left me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm. Okay. So let's like go back to the drawing board. Like what really, really matters? And they all say the same thing. They're like, if I could do it over, you know, I'd rather make 120,000 a year instead of 2 million a year and work 30 hours a week and be home at nights and like go to my kid's soccer game. And that's the shit that they don't do because we're in a society that thinks that you have to get it all. And the other thing, I know you have like probably a little younger generation than myself that listens to the show. And like one of the things for me is like, I thought in my 20s that I had to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and then when that didn't happen, I was like so depressed for weeks. I was like, uh-uh. oh my God. Well, my friend Justin did it and he pulled it off. Who like I'm the worst failure, you know, and but it doesn't matter. Then it changes, and then men are like, "Oh, I'm 40, and I still don't have it figured out." Like mm-hmm. I talk to men in their 60s, and they're like, "I still don't have it figured out." So like, uh, there's this there's this balance of, like you said, yes, the ego we acknowledge it. It's healthy. It helps us grow. It helps us push ourselves. It's okay to have goals. It's okay to have aspirations and to do lists and all these things. But mm-hmm. who are you? if that's stripped away. And if you don't do that part, you're on a house of cards. Yeah. It's like this game of like, it almost reminds me of like a fad diet of like society telling us we have to do certain things to look a certain way or be a certain thing or be happy. And it's like, no, because all of the work that we have to do, it has to be within ourselves first, right? Like something that we coach, even in entrepreneurship is like, you cannot give what you don't physically have. Right. So it's like, if we want to um, love and we don't have self love, the love that you're giving isn't really going to be its purest form of love. Like, it just mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't happen. And so, yeah, I think that's so interesting. And I'm kind of giggling over here because I was that kid who, when I was younger, I told my mom, you know, all right, well, when I'm 22, because I thought 22 was so old when I was younger, I'd be like, well, when I'm 22, I want to be married with four kids. And I got to the age of 22 and I was like freaking standing on a bar, chugging a beer, like through my shirt or something. Right. And I'm like, this is 22. Right. So it's like, it's like all this pressure. And I think it comes back to even what we started the podcast with is like this pressure of what we're surrounded by. Right. And I think for entrepreneurs that are getting started, if, if that pressure is around you, it's like, A, it's feedback of some type of resistance, like resistance is going to give us a lot of feedback, right? And if we're feeling this like pull of our ego or pull of like 
clarity or frustration or whatever it may be. It's like, maybe you take yourself out of that environment and do the work for yourself Mm -hmm. so that you have more clarity when you are surrounded by different types of influences, you know? But yeah, I think the, the ego is an interesting thing. I'm sure you do a lot of like light and shadow work or inner child work with, I'm sure some of the guys that you work with and even through breath work, like it's such a powerful tool to be able to expose ourselves at like our, our purest form, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and, um, really start the work there. So do you incorporate, and I want to get to this because I think it's really powerful, but do you incorporate breath work in your course as well? Is that something that, you know, any of your, your clients go through as well? It's in everything we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for those listening, Wim Hof, um, can you just explain like what Wim Hof breath work is? Yeah. So Wim Hof, if you've not heard of him, he's called the Iceman. He's this crazy Dutch man that has over 26 <laughs> world records. Yeah. Everything in the cold you can imagine. But he has a special breathing technique that is amazing. Uh, I attribute it to really healing my anxiety, my depression, my stress levels. Um, I think everyone should do it. And granted, there's like dozens of different breathwork modalities. They're all amazing. If you can learn breathwork, it's like having a remote control in your hand of knowing how to go through life and have a tool where you're not like chasing pills and pharmaceuticals and highs and different things. You can just go in and tap into it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Wim Hof's breathing is, well, I don't know if we want to like get into how you actually do it. it. It's 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 a it's heavy intense breathing. It's not like it is not hyperventilation. A lot of people think right, right. But it's it's just it's very full breathing. It's um, in James Nestor's recent book called Breathe. He refers to it as one of the over breathing techniques. So it's oxygenating the body at a very massive level and then balancing it out with a breath hold. Yeah. And it makes you feel euphoric. It makes you um, tap into the centers of awareness in your brain. Uh, to the brainstem, and you just come out clear. So I start every client session with breath work, which seems like hilarious sometimes because, you know, as entrepreneurs, like we want to get into strategy and like we want right. to get into it, you know? But like, I know that we can't get to that place of clarity unless we're clear inside. 100%. We're good. So we do everything with the breath. Yeah. I love that too. And it's, it's honestly part of how I start every coaching call is like, Hey, everyone close out every fucking tab on your computer because I don't want you to be distracted. And then we go inward. Right. And I think this is like a beautiful way to like show who you are as a whole is like an athlete, a dad, a husband, a business owner, a friend, a son, like all these things. And you've really just like encapsulated all of these things with your ability to treat yourself first, right? Which I think a lot of entrepreneurs are probably now more so tapping into. Like my dad was an entrepreneur. He started a construction company, right? And for him in Boston, construction is like, you got to like, like fight and prod and whatever, like shove elbows. And like, there's a lot of competition, right? So it was always go, 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 go. And now I feel like the entrepreneurs these days are like, how the hell can we like slow down, Mm. get ourselves what we need first so that we serve our clients better, which I think you've encapsulated so well. And, and that's honestly like what you're coaching others to do, which is so important. So, uh, kudos to you for 
kind of figuring at least that part out. I don't think we all have it all figured out, but you've definitely, you've definitely nailed something there. So it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So I want to definitely uh, give you some space to open up. And if there's any like last kind of pieces of advice or little golden nuggets that you'd want to share with our audience, I'd love to kind of give you the floor and, you know, just open up the, the, the floodgates for these people to just like bathe in all of your wisdom. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how deep that wisdom goes, but <laughs> one, of, one of the things that's, that's been on my heart a lot lately is this concept, like we were just talking about of, you know, the conscious business person, like, what does that look like? Someone that's, you know, shifting from this 24 seven hustle, that's not sustainable, that's mm-hmm. inevitably going to lead to burnout and dis, you know, function and other areas of their life getting really messed up to approaching business consciously. So yes, that involves slowing down, which is completely counterintuitive to us. Like, you know, the old cliche saying, like, we think that we're human doings and not human beings, but we, <laughs> like, we really have a hard time slowing down because why? We think my peers are going to judge me and think I'm lazy. I, if I don't work as hard as my parents worked or my grandparents worked, I'm going to be viewed as lazy or doing something wrong. And it's just like, you know, it, it's, it doesn't have to be that way. I work with one of my clients. He's a top business owner, CEO in the entertainment industry in Hollywood. He owns like five companies. And I was like, why do you need me? Like initially, which we can talk about imposter syndrome, by the way. I think we should touch on that. And he like, because all I did with him is like, like a shit ton of breath work. (laughs) And he's like, I need your training, Brock, because this is working. He's like, I'm breaking through on a creative level like I never have. I'm happier. I'm like actually being present with my wife and my kids when I stop working 12 hours a day. And he's like, I'm happy. And so now when he goes in like a big pitch meeting for, you know, investors or whatever he's doing, he sits in his car for 10 minutes and does yes. the Wim Hof breathing. And he gets in such a clear space. He's just like, I'm not really attached to the outcome right now. Like, do you guys want to invest? Awesome. But like, I'm not attached to the outcome because I'm aligned and I'm good. Yeah. And he's just, he's been crushing it, but yeah. he's not trying to crush it. So I think that would be the advice. I'm like, you can crush it when you slow down. I'm going to try and experiment probably this next month. I've been considering this for a while. <laughs> like I've noticed in now a couple of years of doing breath work every day, like I've literally done not like, I'm not saying this numbers to brag, but like I do a lot of breath work. Like I've done thousands of sessions because I need it. Like I'm a mess if I don't. So I've always noticed that my creativity is peaked and I know it like how many, how many people listening out there can relate to where you're grinding, you're hustling, like you're going on like eight, 10 hours and you're, and, and all of a sudden you're staring at your phone, you're staring at your computer screen, you're searching Expedia for like hotels where you want to go, or then you get sidetracked by some influencer on Instagram that's on like, you're like, what the hell am I doing? staring at the screen. I have a headache. What am I doing? I'm not even on task. I'm not even aligned. So that's what breath work does. If you can implement it periodically throughout your day is it just brings you back to what you want to be doing, what you should be doing. 
And all of a sudden you'll be like in a breath hold or something, finishing up and you're like, ah, that's the insight. So always have a notebook or a journal nearby when you finish breath work because you'll get your best insights. Yeah. But I've I've thought about doing like it's probably never gonna happen with it with a newborn in the near future, but like I would literally want to take a whole day, start at like 6 a.m. And just go to a quiet place, go to my bedroom, maybe go to the beach, maybe even sit in my car and just say to myself, my agenda today is I'm going to do breath work over and over and over and over. And then in between, just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And my theory that I'm, I'm guessing will happen is I will have my best insights of my entire life. Like literally breathing in and like off and on for eight to 10 hours. Like that's what, that's what I want to do. Like part, like part of me, this is like the probably more like, I don't know, masculine structured type energy. I'm like, oh my God, you're going to spend eight hours breathing. But like, that's probably a sign that I need more breath work, you know? Um, but yeah, it is. It's, it's so powerful. And I honestly, I challenge you to do that because you probably will find a lot of unanswered questions in there. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do it and I'll, I'll document it. And yeah. It'll be really nuts. Log it up. Yeah. Let's end with imposter syndrome. I love that. Yeah. Getting, getting a lot of buzz these days, but it's relevant. It's yeah. very relevant. Literally doesn't matter the, the level of outward success that one has. Like we all still have it. Um, I mean, I remember experiencing it at my first World Cup race as a young kid. And um lining up and thinking, here's this dude from France. He looks really strong. Here's this dude from Belgium. He looks really strong. I shouldn't be here. And we all get that. And you start building a business or doing something that is totally out of your comfort zone and you get around others. And, you know, it's true. Comparison is the thief of all joy. And you start to say to yourself, like, who am I to do this? Yeah. And one person says something that's shitty to you or discourages you and most people quit. Yeah. But if you realize that like everyone has imposter syndrome, even people with millions of dollars, um, it's not so bad. We all just kind of look at all the people around us. And despite what social media highlight reels show, we all have a shit ton of problems. Like everybody. (laughs) One of us. Yeah. Yeah. If someone's listening to that too, like, when that does happen, if someone says something shitty to you, or you have that like little moment of like, like what's happening, what would you recommend them doing? Do breath work. <laughs> I was, I was like, waiting for go it. Go inside because, because that's what will happen is breath work. It's, it's not like airy fairy shit. Like it's scientifically, if you're doing the right modality, it will right. connect you to the centers in your brain that are responsible for self-awareness and your higher self. And you'll connect and you'll be like, this is who I really am. And if all this goes away, who cares? This is who I really am. And you'll realign. Here's the thing, like people don't all have to have this benchmark of making a million dollars or 600,000, like the top 1% in the the United States, it's like 434,000 or something like that. So cool. Or if you make a, a quarter of that, cool. But being happy, like make that the goal. And And then I think if people had that, especially the younger generation, like 20s and 30s that are notoriously known for stressing out, they'd be happier. Like even if you're quirky, like 
do you love spearfishing or like, do you want to start a worm farm? Like, be the best worm farmer. <laughs> oh my God. Hopefully it goes better than freaking Lloyd Christmas and Harry starting a worm farm and Dumb and Dumber. But yeah, no, I think it's like kind of that ripple effect of like, and maybe this is how that whole competitive nature started is like, I'm like, who's the asshole that decided they wanted to be really competitive and like bring all these people up? But um, not even saying that competition is necessarily negative. Like I, I see a lot of, I actually love competition. I think it's a great way for you to actually see your potential, but to your point, like, I think there is kind of like a societal norm of like, oh my God, you only worked 10 hours today. You are lazy. Like you don't deserve it. Right. So it's like, how do we kind of check back in and, and really do kind of like what we were talking about before, like the inward work to say like, no, I'm okay. Like I, I just want to work six hours a day and that's it. And I'm okay with that. Like feeling really confident in who we are down to our core and what we want and need. Well said. Yeah. So, uh, I love this. So, okay. I'm sure we're going to get a ton of people being like, where do we find Brock? Where do we find you? If someone wants to work with you, how can they do so? Give the people what they want. I'll make sure guys to drop it all in the show notes as well. But Brock, where can we find you? Um, you know, the gram is a good place. I'm still sure. on there, even though I hate it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, just my personal is fine. I also, my men's group is called Woke Men, W-O-K-E. Connect with me on there if you're a dude looking for some support. Love it, love it. What if they want to do um, any breath work with you? Where can they reach out? Um, just your personal? Yeah, personal. I do... Um, I do a little bit of virtual breath work, but it's tougher. So in-person stuff's amazing. Like I'm doing a two-day men's immersion uh, in a few weeks. And, you know, we do trauma healing breath work. It's kind of intense. So that's the kind of stuff you can't really do online. You got to be in person for that. And you got to fly out, fly out to Santa Barbara, everyone. Yeah, but I'm going to do an East Coast um, immersion in the fall too. So if you're in East Coast. Okay, well, keep us posted because all my homies back here in the East Coast, I'm sure would want to want in on that. So Brock, thank you so much. Um, this was so fun. Uh, if you guys want any more information, actually, if you're interested on how Brock and I met, reach out to me. I want to share it with you. It's actually through one of our clients, Tori, um, which I think is really cool. It's just the power of like connection and staying open and just really leaning into opportunities. So Thank you again so much for being here. We appreciate you endlessly. And if you guys are looking for more on Brock, I will drop everything in the show notes. Thank you. Super fun. Enjoyed the conversation. Thank you guys all so much for listening. We're hoping you found some really good little golden nuggets. You can find us on Instagram at 90 Day CEO. Feel free to shoot us a DM. Slide right in there like a little chess. And we want to know what did you find valuable, what you want to hear more about, and what you have going on in your business. And remember, no matter how hard it gets, and it probably will get harder, just keep moving.